Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, in uh, February of last year, there was a guard at the Yeltsin Center, which is an art gallery in central Russia. And he was in a gallery looking after the painting called The Three Figures, which I'm sure as all of you will recognize is a key piece of early 20th century Russian avant-garde art. Now, it was that guard's first day on the job, and it turns out it wasn't a great fit for a job because he got bored halfway through, and with one of the Yeltsin Center-branded pens, he drew faces on, on this priceless work of Russian avant-garde art. Um, this is my impression of what he did. I didn't actually draw it on the actual painting. I did it on a photo of the painting. So he, he, that, that guard seemed to kind of totally lose track of what his role was. He seemed to totally lose track of how precious that painting was. And so that gallery, they had to then spend thousands to get his mess fixed. Well, look, we're moving into a part of the book of Ephesians now. We've been working through Ephesians. And um, as, as we get to this point of the letter, it's a moment in which Paul, the writer of this letter, turns to different groups in the church, a church a lot like ours, and he gives each part of the church like a briefing, like the kind of briefing that that God should have had before he started his job of looking after that painting. He, he turns in, in this in chapter 5, he looks to married couples, um, and then into chapter 6, he turns to children and parents, and then later on he talks to workers and their bosses, and he says to each of them, he says, look, your role is like a gallery guard. You're there to protect something precious. God has put you there to protect something precious. So you could think, we, we've been saying this, we've been going through Ephesians. In Ephesians 1 to 3, Paul has been saying, look, know the glory and the goodness of the gospel. And then in Ephesians 4 to 6, he says, live the glory and the goodness of the gospel. And this part, in sort of chapters 5 and 6, he says, picture that gospel 
to the church around you and the watching world. Look, as you understand, as you see and understand what Jesus has done for you in chapters one to three, become more like Jesus in chapters four and five. And as we become more like Jesus in chapters five and six, we're gonna picture to the world around us who Jesus is and what he's like in every part of our lives. And so here in chapter five, verses 22 to 33, he turns to husbands and wives. And even though he's speaking to them, he's speaking to them for all of us. He wants us all to be listening so that we can all know that role that husbands and wives have, that they are to care for a picture the picture that we've already seen so far in the book of Ephesians. It is the picture of Jesus loving his people. It's a picture of a people loved and enjoying being loved by their Lord. And so as we come to chapter 5, um, verse 22 to 33, the whole church, whether you're the youngest members of our group here to the oldest, whether you are married or whether you're not married, The whole church listens as Paul calls to wives and says, wives, live like the church. As he calls to the husbands and he says, husbands, love like Jesus. So as he turns to those married couples and brings that call, he calls to them so that the whole church and that the watching world might see the beauty and the glory of the gospel. So in verse, uh, verses 22 to 24, he's speaking to wives, but speaking for all of us, so we might all listen. He calls, in verse 22 to 24, wives are called to live like the church. They're to picture to the church, to picture to the watching world what it looks like to be led like the church by life-giving love. So there's the, um, the call in verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And just at that moment, you can immediately stopping and the sound of kind of the clunking of gears and the change of, you know, and the brakes screeching going, wait, what does that mean? Wait, what does it mean to submit? What does it mean to say wives submit as to the Lord? And that's a question that we're bound to have. And it's certainly a question that the first church reading this will have had because Paul goes on to explain. And he says these verses, as we look at these verses, don't mean what, like Bill mentioned, they don't mean what like a really progressive person might fear they might. These verses won't mean what somebody who's just looking backwards might um, hope they mean. He says, look, this, this um, submission, well, we see it in verse 23. He says, look, In verse 23, the husband is to be a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church. Verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as the church, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his saviour. So if husbands are to be a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church, so in verse 24, the wife is to be a picture of the church's relationship to Jesus. So as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So to understand the call of verse 22, we don't turn to the culture around us. We don't look back to the culture that surrounded Paul. Instead, we listen to the gospel 
that resounds through the pages of this book of Ephesians. The role of the wife is to picture in a particular way the life of the church as it is led and loved by Jesus. So we could, we could take a look at that life as it's taken shape over this book um, now. So, so flick back to um, the previous page, chapter 2, verse 5. We could see that life that Jesus gave to his people. When we were dead in our transgressions, our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. Jesus' life-giving love. Flick over the page to chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. This life that Jesus gave us, he grows in us, this life is grow, grows as it's built in love. So speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And then if you glance up to the bit that comes just before the bit that we've read, this, this life that's given by Jesus, this life that grows in love of Jesus is a life that's filled with the Spirit, that's lived in submitting out of reverence for Christ. So look back at 5 verse 18, just before the bit we read. It says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with all your hearts. And then glance down to verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That submitting, that enjoying and receiving life, that being led in love, that is the life of the whole church. That is the life of each and every Christian. And that life, that's the life of the whole church, the life enjoyed by every Christian, that's a life that's to be pictured in a particular way to the church and to the watching world by Christian wives. And so the submission that we read about in verse 22 is to be understood over the course of Ephesians as entrusting ourselves to be led in life-giving love. That's how you could think about that word submission. It's when I entrust myself in life uh, to be led by this life-giving love. That is the characteristic of all Christians. That is the heart of what it is to be the church. And that is to be pictured to the church by Christian wives in their marriages. And so as a wife submits herself to her husband in verse 22, as she entrusts herself to his life-giving leadership in verse 23, she pictures to the church and to the watching world what it is to be a Christian in verse 24. And that's a precious picture that God puts on display in our lives at the heart of our communities. It might be that at home you have a painting or some kind of picture that is hung there at the heart of your, of your home that says something about who you are, something about what you're like that shows that to yourselves and to people who come and visit. And in the same way, God has placed this picture, submission, into the heart of our lives. Submission, entrusting ourselves to life-giving leadership. But when we call, when we hear this call to submission, it's often that we, it can be so easy to not see this picture. It can be often that we, that we hear that word or we see that picture. We don't see it clearly. It, it almost makes us flinch and it looks ugly and feels dangerous. And I think part of the reason for that is, sorry, 
It's as if we've got this um, picture that God has given us, this beautiful picture that he wants to be at the heart of our homes, the heart of our lives. And our culture has taken that and smashed it and broken it. So when we look at it, okay, I've got the box there so we don't kind of cover this with <laughs> glass. Um, so when we look at that, we, instead of seeing the beauty of that picture, we see something that might look damaged and so damaged that it feels dangerous. So we flinch from it. Or it might be so damaged that the picture behind it is distorted and looks a bit ugly. And there's nothing wrong with the picture, but it's been damaged and distorted. So it might be that as you look at that, a bit like a painting covered in shattered glass, we might flinch from that call to submission because it feels like something dangerous. It's become so broken. Now, Paul uh, all wives hear that call of verse 22, and all husbands fail in, in that call to live according to verse 23. And so all wives need patience, perseverance, the power of the Holy Spirit as they seek to live. Verse 24. Um, Paul is not writing these verses to perfect marriages. And all of us husbands are, are, are failed and we're flawed as we seek to live, as we seek to lead. Paul is, is writing to a church a bit like ours, where many are married to non-Christian husbands. Paul is writing to a church where, just like ours, where even the Christian husbands struggle with honesty, integrity, and anger. He's writing to a church just like ours. He's writing into marriages just like ours. All husbands lead in a way marked by sin. But it's important to say in some cases, a husband is leading his wife into sin, or a husband leads sinfully in such a way that he can no longer be followed. There are some cases where a husband will be so set against Christ that living like the church might mean leaving that man. Now, I'm not talking about husbands who are non-Christian or rejecting Jesus. I'm not speaking about husbands who are unchristian or failing to live like, Christ, like Jesus. But where a husband is violent, physically, emotionally, sexually abusive, unrepentant, un, un, in unrepentant unfaithfulness, well, in that case, that man has broken his covenant bond with his wife, and that wife she needn't feel any longer bound to him. It's important to say that an abusive husband is not just unchristian and unchristlike. He is an abusive husband is anti-Christian and anti-Christ-like. And so to flee from him would not be an exception to these verses. No, instead they are an option held out in love in these verses, and it's worth saying, if you do think that's you, or if that's someone you know, then we mentioned Lorraine at the start of the service, you could speak to her, or you could reach out anonymously to the numbers that are posted in various places in the church. Because it is important to recognize that for some, this call has been damaged in such a way that all we see are these shards of glass that just feel dangerous. But for others, we would see this call and it, it seems damaged and distorted. And it's not like we flinch from it because it's dangerous, but we're certainly not drawn to it because it looks ugly. 
And I think part of the reason is that we live in a culture that says that equality is interchangeability, right? Interchangeable. Our culture says that that if there's to be any difference in role, well, that must be a difference of value because that thing, because our culture, as it moves away from the Bible, says that we're equal in the same way that Lego pieces are equal. Lego pieces are totally interchangeable. But the thing is, living like a Lego piece means that they're either rivals or they have to replace one another. One has to be knocked off for the other one to be on top. And we just assume that that's what equality is. But the Bible says, no, equality is not interchangeable. Interchangeable. It's about being complementary. It's not like being Lego pieces. Instead, it's not pieces of Lego. It's about being partners in a dance. The couple moves together, each needing the other. The better the husband leads, the more the wife can flourish. And where the husband stumbles, the wife can help him to take the steps set out for him. I mean, it's a bit like Strictly Club Dancing, um, where, where you've got like when that professional dancer is there with, with, with the lady, she, he can make her absolutely fly. And she flourishes, well, I can't dance, but he, she, she flourishes with his leadership. But here's the amazing thing, and I think even more impressive, when you have the professional being the woman and the guy is the amateur, they don't swap roles. Instead, the woman as woman helps that man to lead. And the better he goes, the more she flourishes. And so instead of acting like pieces of Lego, excuse me, we're acting like pieces of Lego when we're sort of passive, fine, I'll leave you to it, or manipulative, I want to take charge. Instead of that, wives and husbands can be partners in a dance. A wife can be trusting and joyful as her husband, however falteringly, takes those steps to lead with life-giving love. A, a, a wife can be active and intentional, like that professional dancer helping the amateur in Strictly Come Dancing, helping him to take the next step of life-giving leadership. Now that dance is gonna look different for different couples. Submission will look different for different wives, but whoever we are, whatever we're like, it will be a picture to the church of what it is to be the church. It is a picture to the world of what it is to be a Christian. It will be a picture of being led by the life-giving love of Jesus. And that picture becomes ever more clear as we see the other part of the portrait in verses 25 onwards. As we look at, at, at the role of the husbands, wives are called to live like the church, and so husbands, their steps in the dance, well, for husbands, they're called to love like Jesus. In their marriages, husbands are called to picture the love of Christ, the love of Christ that all Christians are called to live. And we see that verse 25. Husbands... Well, they're not called to tell their wives to submit. They're not called to ch take charge and make sure that things happen on their terms. Look at the call of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. 
How? What does that love look like? What will it involve? Look at how verse 25 and 27 continue. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Husbands are called to love picturing the love of Jesus. It's a costly love. It's a love that's costly, but is also committed. It's a love that's sacrificial, but also intimate, as Jesus gives his life for the church, and as Jesus gives his life to the church. It's a love that throughout Ephesians, all Christians are called to live. So you might uh, just glance back to 4 um, verse 32. Okay, look at that call. This is a call to all Christians. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Or look at 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This call to a forgiving to a kind, a sacrificial, and a tender-hearted love. That is a call to all Christians. And it's to be pictured to all Christians in the way that Christian husbands treat their wives. Jesus gave himself for the church. He gave himself to the church. He, he saved her. He serves her. And so a Christian husband is to lead his wife with this life-giving love, a love that is costly and sacrificial, a love that is committed and intimate. The love of a husband is to picture the love of Christ to his wife. Sorry, it is to picture that love of Christ. And he's to picture that love of Christ to the church, to his wife, to the watching world. It's the picture of Christ giving himself sacrificially. The life, love of Christ giving himself with intimacy. And so if husbands are to be a picture of Jesus' love then they must love like Jesus loved. And we get that description, verses 28 and 29. A husband's love for his wife, in verse 28, uh, is 28, is to be like this love for their own body, the love that, verse 29, Christ showed to his church. It, it, it's a love that brings husband and wife together as one flesh. It's a love that draws her so close to me that her heart is what I most feel. It's a love that, as it says in verse 29, that as Jesus cares for his body, the church, nourishes and cherishes. And so I, um, I hunger for food, but I also crave happiness. I protect myself from harm, but I also comfort myself when I'm hurt. I, I get sleep when I need it, but I also look for that deep joy of rest. Well, Jesus feels that for us, 
and husbands feel that for their wives. I feel her pain more acutely than my own. Her joy is more delicious to me than my own. Her blessing and her flourishing is what I seek more than my own. Or I could put it another way. When my wife looks at the love I have for her, and when the world looks at the love I have for her, does she, do they, see something of the love of Jesus? Husbands, husbands are called to picture Jesus' love for the church, and they're called to picture that love of Jesus for the church because marriage was created to be a model of that heavenly love here on earth. And that's why Paul, in verse 31, he flips back to the first few pages of the Bible. He turns back to Genesis and he reads that description of marriage in Genesis chapter 2 that we get in verse 31. And as he reads from those opening pages of the Bible and reads of that first marriage, he says in verse 32 that even then, that was a picture of God's love for his people in Jesus. You see, marriage is not something that we made up. Marriage is something that God gave us. It was created by God to picture to us the love that he has for us in Jesus. And so that means that your marriage is not your marriage. It's God's marriage. It's God's marriage to display to his people to display before his world the wonders of his love. Your marriage is not your marriage. It is God's picture that you, as a Christian husband, are called to protect. Now, near where we used to live, there were like all kinds of building sites. It was amazing just to see these kind of impressive structures taking shape, but taking shape wrapped around in scaffolding and surrounded by rubble. And I had a friend of mine who um, kind of worked on one of those. He was an architect, and he looked after the show home. You know the way you sometimes go into, there's a sales room, there's like a little model of what the building will be, and then there's the show home that shows people. He was obsessive about detail. He cared for it, made sure everything was perfect. That show home wasn't his. It was so that others could come and see what it would be, take a look, put down a payment, and walk away with the deeds. Well, you could say that every Christian has the keys to their new home. Every Christian has the keys and the deeds to their new home. But Christian marriages are the model, are the show home, scaled down, imperfect, inadequate, and the husband is to be like my friend, the architect, tending it, caring for it, not because it is there for him, but so that others might see the glory of what God is doing. Your marriage is not your marriage. It is God's marriage so that the watching world might wonder at his love. And sadly, many husbands act like that board gallery guard at the Yeltsin Center, spoiling the picture. Or they act like a lazy architect making a mess of the model. 
We so often choose to be absent or we choose to abdicate our role. We choose to dominate or demand as we lead. And so when we are selfish or short-tempered, when we are impatient or emotionally distant, when we're lazy, immature, when we're unkind, uninvolved, when we fail to love like Jesus, it's as if we are putting a lie about Jesus at the very heart of our home. But if that's us, could say when that is us, we need to remember that we will only be able to love like Jesus when we understand how much we are loved by Jesus. You see, as these verses, verses 25 to 32, point me to Jesus, I'm not just seeing an example of love. I'm called to an encounter with the love of Jesus, a love that I'll then want to share with my wife. It's it's only when I'm excited about how loved I am that I'll want my wife to taste that. See if you can follow me with this. It's only as I, as a husband, understand how wonderful it is to be loved as the bride of Christ You got that? As a husband, I need to understand and think how precious it is to be loved as part of the bride of Christ. When I know how wonderful it is to be loved and precious, but as the bride of Christ, I'm then going to want to give my wife a taste of that in our life together, in our married life. And so, verse 33 ends with the kind of two step dance that is to be led by the husband and enjoyed by the wife. You see, as I'm convinced by, my, by Jesus' love for me, I'll want my wife to have a taste of that, love, of that love. And as my wife lives in a picture of knowing and enjoying Jesus' love, I'm going to see that, be more convinced of Jesus' love, and long to share that more with her. Let's just look at verse 30, um, 33. So then... Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, as the husband is convinced of the gospel and Jesus' love, well, then he'll care for his wife. And then the wife will look at her husband and go, wow, it is brilliant being loved by Jesus. How great to be a Christian. And then the husband will look at her and go, wow, being a Christian looks brilliant. Jesus' love must be great. And then the wife goes, Jesus' love is great. It's great to be a Christian. And then the husband says, how great to be a Christian. Jesus' love must be. And can you see the way the one and the other move together in a dance led by the husband that the wife enjoys as they dance, the watching church and the watching world will see in that dance the beauty of the gospel. And so as we finish to married couples to married couples on behalf of all of us as the church say you are a precious picture you have a precious picture that you are looking after for us. So wives live like the church. Husbands love like Christ so that in you we can see the beauty of the gospel that we long to live. 
And to the church, on behalf of married couples, I guess the first thing to say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry those times when we don't care for that precious picture in that way. Pray for us. Please challenge us. Come alongside us so that as wives live by the, like the church, as husbands love like Jesus, our marriages can become the precious portrait that God has placed them in our lives to be. Let me pray. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Father God, thank you for the Lord Jesus' love. Please, would Christian wives love to look to Jesus and love to picture in their marriages what it is to enjoy that love? Would Christian husbands love to share that love with their wives, to lead with life-giving love? We pray, Father, that all of us would come together to help one another to live this beautiful picture of your love in Jesus so that we as a church and the watching world might join in praise of him. In Jesus' name, amen.